Well, good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. It feels so formalized, all this title, all this title giving. Pastor Roy, Pastor Jinha, that was a Galen when you caught yourself and said Pastor Roy, I was like, oh. And then when you caught yourself and said Pastor Jinha, I was like, that was a good catch. <laughs> well, it's, tw- it's the beginning of 2019, and um, as Jinha and I were putting together the beginnings of the sermon roster, um, we were just looking at different topics that we could share, and uh, today uh, I wanted to share a message called "When When God or When Jesus Looks Up." When Jesus looks up, I wanted to ask you a question: Have you ever had anyone believe in you? Think back in your life and think back to when someone gave you a chance. For me, it was a band teacher named Denise Santos, and she came into our high school uh, at. Uh, year 11 for me, and she was kind of this new incoming young teacher. She just finished her master's degree, and if I think back on it, I think she must have been like maybe 26 or 27 years old, a really young teacher, and she came in, and um, she was a a shorter lady. She probably came up to about here, and so there was kind of like this... um, you know, we were kind of like laughing, oh, this is our short van teacher, you know, what, what's she going to do? Well, it was at that time where um, I was very uh, not motivated in school. I would skip a lot of my classes, I wasn't doing well, but the one class I cared about was a class called Win Ensemble, and that was kind of like the elite band of our school. And I don't know if I've ever shared this with uh, the broader church community, but I grew up playing the trumpet. And back in year 11, I was a principal trumpet. So it's like the first chair. I was like the leader of the pack, you know. And so the first concert came around, and I forgot about our first concert. And when I saw Denise, she was not happy with me. And so she kicked me out of an ensemble for the first term. And I was so upset. Who is this short lady who's coming in and kicking me out of band, like on the first chair? And it was through that process of the first term that I actually got to know my band teacher. And initially, I thought she was just this tyrant of a woman who was so mean to a forgetful young high schooler. And uh, later, what I found out is that she would check up and she would talk to all of my teachers, all of my other teachers. And she would ask, how's Roy doing in his classes? You know, he's my first chair trumpet player, and I just want to see how he's doing because obviously his life is not put together right now. And so when she found out I wasn't doing good in my classes, she calls me into her office and she says, Roy, I can tell that you are giving up on life right now and you are not allowed to do this because I believe in you. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to check up on all of your teachers for the next year to see how you're doing. And initially I was like, okay, whatever. But as the year progressed, I found out she actually did that. And so if I did well in an exam or if I did well in a class or a project, she would call me and she's saying, hey, your teacher said you did a really good job, which really disturbed me in the sense of like, what? You're actually keeping me accountable? And through those meetings, I actually saw how this individual, how this teacher valued um, me as an individual. And from that, I responded by giving her more uh, in terms of like my commitment to band and my uh, practicing of, of trumpet. And through that, there was kind of like this uh, special relationship and this um, 
realization, man, this person is actually incredible. And if I look back on my high school career, I can honestly say the reason why I survived high school was because of Denise Santos, because this lady chose um, to invest uh, in me as a student, and um, I still keep in touch with her. In Luke chapter 19, there's a story of Jesus who choo- there's a story of Jesus who invests in a man named Zacchaeus. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 1 to 10, and we're going to go through the story together. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. So those of you who have your uh, white Bibles and aren't there yet, it's page 843. And we're going to read the first two verses. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, when the Bible says that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, it means that he was the individual who was in charge of collecting, collecting tax for all imported and exported goods. And so when the verse highlights the fact that he was rich, it gives us a hint into his uh, level of honesty. And the reality was a lot of the taxation regulation was highly unregulated and so there was a lot of dishonesty and tax collectors back in the day basically were generally shunned by society if you can picture the jewish nation here are jewish uh people of jewish um, heritage who were taking money from their own countrymen and putting that money into the pockets of the romans and the jews really really didn't like that they're kind of like the modern-day parking ticket inspectors. I don't know if you've ever walked by Melbourne and uh, walked through the streets of Melbourne and you see a parking ticket inspector. And I don't know about the rest of you, but if I'm honest, there's always this sense of like, I just like glare at them while I walk by. <laughs> I know they're just doing their jobs, but I, just, I still don't like getting parking tickets. And I know it's my Okay, I just need to move on. So the story continues on. If you look at verse 3, Luke chapter 19, verse 3. It says that Zacchaeus tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. In the original wording of this verse, when it says that Zacchaeus was trying to get a look at Jesus, when you look at the New Living Translation, which is in the, in the, in the White Bibles, it kind of hints that, or it, it communicates that Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus is just trying to see Jesus. But if you look at the original wording, it goes beyond that simple uh, reading of the text. The original wording communicates that Zacchaeus is trying to see who Jesus is, not just get a visual look at him, but gain an understanding of the person of Christ. And the significance of this sentence can only be understood by contrast of a previous story in Luke chapter 18. So if you've got your Bibles, if you look at Luke chapter 18, we're going to look at the story of the rich young ruler. Luke chapter 18, and I've got the verse right here, verses 18 and 19. 
Here's this rich young ruler, and he approaches Jesus, and he has a question for him. And here's what he asks him. Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds by saying, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. This conversation is really unique because it's a very odd response to a simple question. It seems like the rich young ruler is giving Jesus respect. The fact that he thinks Jesus has the answer to this really, really important question. But when Jesus responds in this odd way, Jesus is looking into the heart of the rich young ruler and highlighting a really, really important um, perception of the rich young ruler. And here's what I mean. When he asks the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? Only God is good. What Jesus is saying is, listen, I'm not just a good teacher. I am a good God. And there's something in your own heart where you're asking that question yourself. But when the rich young ruler comes and asks Jesus that question, he has this preconceived idea. Jesus is an influential teacher. He has these interesting teachings. He has a special knowledge. I just want to pick his brain. And for Jesus, he's saying, look, I'm not just here to give you information. I'm here to ask you to give me your heart. And so when he interacts with the rich young ruler, he knows the rich young ruler doesn't see him beyond a mere human being. So when in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus approaches Jesus and he wants to see who Jesus is, he doesn't have any preconceived idea of who Jesus is. He just wants to know, Jesus, who are you? And here's the beginnings of that interaction. Jesus was, or Zacchaeus was able to put his bias on hold and bring his curiosity. If you, if you continue going back, or if you go back to Luke chapter 19, we continue in the story. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Now, when you first look at this request, it's kind of a strange one. When I was young, I used to invite myself to everyone's house. So I'd kind of like befriend them at church. I'm like, hey, you're a really cool person. Can I come over? And then there was this really awkward conversation because then that person would have to go to their parents and be like, hey, can Roy come over? And it's like, they didn't ask me to come over, right? I invited myself. And so when you first read this story, it's kind of like, Jesus is doing that. But if you look at the cultural context, there's a difference here in that Jesus is a well-known teacher. He's a person who is respected by the community. And so when he comes to Zacchaeus and invites himself, he's actually honoring Zacchaeus and saying, hey, I perceive that you are a person of influence. Can I come stay at your home and can we spend time together? And so when Zacchaeus hears that, he He's overjoyed, and he actually opens his home to Jesus. <clears throat> now, I want to highlight one thing. Can you guys see this? <laughs> this is like, I saw it peripherally. I was like, no. And I looked out, like, before I eat that fly, I should just check. Hmm, what to do? But then it'll fly around. Like, I do I? <laughs> okay, I'm just going to talk from a distance. I've already brought attention to it, right? It's too late.
didn't see that. <laughs> the online viewers didn't see that. <laughs> I did it under the podium. <laughs> the fly's taking a nap. Okay. <laughs> so, in the story, when Jesus approaches Zacchaeus, it says that Jesus looks up and then he sees Zacchaeus. Now, when you first read that line, it seems like, of course, Jesus would look up. There's a man in a tree, and so physically you would have to turn your head up. But what I want to highlight is in the Greek, the word for look up is translated or used in two different ways. First, it's used when someone literally looks up or physically looks up. But it's also used when Jesus restores the sight to the blind. So it's the same word. And in, I believe in the New Testament, there's a spiritual connection to the usage of the word. So in the New Testament, when Jesus looks up, there's something going on that Jesus wants you to see. He wants the audience and the readers to see something specific that we normally didn't see or don't see. So there are a few instances in the New Testament where Jesus looks up, and I believe the wording is intentional. So here's the first instance. In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4, <clears throat> Jesus is at the temple, and he sees people giving alms. And here's how the story goes. While Jesus was in the temple, he looked up and saw the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. So here's what Jesus sees. He sees the heart of this woman, and all she has are these two mites in comparison to the vast wealth of the people around her. And she drops what she has into the offering box, and Jesus sees this woman didn't just give money. She gave her heart. And what he wants the readers and the audience to see is that it's possible to give, but what makes the offering valuable is the heart. Here's the second instance. And I suppose the, the implication of that is when it comes to society, we generally pay attention to what people do on the outside, but it's very hard to tell what people do on the inside. And Jesus is speaking to that. <clears throat> so Mark chapter 6 Verses four, uh, starting from verse forty-one, and we're going to look at verse. Uh, we're going to look at different parts of that story all the way to verse fifty-two. So, Mark chapter six. It's the second book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. This is page eight hundred and six. Mark chapter six, verses forty-one to fifty-two. <clears throat> This is a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I'm just going to read the first four verses. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. 
So here's this miracle that takes place. And what I want to highlight is what happens afterwards. So if you look at the very next verse in verse 45, it says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. And so what Jesus does is he goes into the mountain and he prays and he separates himself from the disciples after this incredible miracle. Now think about this for a moment. Here, the disciples want people to follow Jesus. And Jesus has just fed an incredible amount of people with simply five loaves of bread and two fishes. Can you imagine what the people who witnessed this miracle were thinking? I mean, here's a real life like vending machine and like food is free and you never have to worry about hunger ever again. And if there's ever a time where people would follow an influential person, especially during that time where food wasn't always guaranteed, of course people would follow Jesus. But instead of embracing the moment, Jesus separates himself from it. And so what happens next is, as the disciples are crossing the lake, the storm hits, and there's another famous story where Jesus walks on the water, climbs onto the boat, and calms the storm. And here's the, the, the point that I'd like to highlight. <clears throat> if you look at verses 51 and 52, it says, Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it. And so there's this interesting connection between Jesus calming the storm and Jesus feeding the 5,000. And here's the lesson that Jesus was wanting to teach the people and his disciples. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. See, people were fixated on the physical food, but Jesus wanted them to seek spiritual food. He wanted them to seek himself. And so while the disciples and the people saw him as a human vending machine, he was saying the presence of God means something significant for your heart, for your soul. And they didn't see it. And when he walks on the water, steps in the boat, and calms the storm, they're still amazed, and they still don't see it. And he's saying, I am God. I want you to see the significance of what that means. And so when he looks up, he's trying to communicate, but the message doesn't come clear. Let's go back to the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus. <clears throat> When Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus, to everyone, Zacchaeus was dishonest. He was greedy. He was an enemy of the nation. <clears throat> but when Jesus looks up, he wants the readers to know what God sees when he encounters the outcasts of the society. He doesn't see reputation. He doesn't see their past. He doesn't see who they are. He sees who they can become. Jesus looks through the lens of possibility. You know, lots of times we emphasize believe in God. If you believe in God, then something will happen. But today I want to say God believes in you. I would even say before you can believe in God, you need to know that God believes in you. God looks beyond our reputation he looks beyond who we are. 
He sees who we can become. God looks up to you. He looks at your life and sees what is possible. I heard someone say this one time. The individual said, possibility fuels potential for progress. Possibility fuels potential for progress. The opposite of that statement is also true. If you don't believe it's possible, you are correct. If you don't believe it's possible, you are correct. There's a story of Wilbur and Orville Wright. They were bicycle shop owners, and their hobby was observing birds. And uh, one day, the brothers turn to each other, and they think to themselves, or they have this conversation, I think it's possible to fly the way that birds fly. There's an author by the name of David McAuliffe, and he writes about the Wright brothers. And he has this amazing uh, paragraph where he says, In no way did any of this discourage or deter Wilbur or Orville Wright. Any more than the fact that they had no college education, no formal technical training, no experience working with anyone else other than themselves, no friends in high places, no financial backers, no government subsidies, and little money of their own, or the entire real possibility that at some point they could be killed. You know, what's interesting to me is at the time that the Wright brothers were trying to build an airplane, the government actually paid someone named Samuel Langley $70,000 back in those days so that he could figure out how to fly. He failed. And the Wright brothers, with less than $1,000, built the first aircraft. You know, it's amazing what happens when somebody believes in what's possible. But the opposite is true. If you don't believe it is possible, you're correct. But when Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, he looks through a different perceptual lens. He sees someone who has had this reputation, who is unliked by many people. And when he looks at Zacchaeus, he says, I know what you can become. I know what you can become. Jesus looks up. We continue on. Luke chapter 19. Verse 6, Zacchaeus quickly climbs down and took Jesus to his home in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I had cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. This story to me is amazing because the story implies, at the beginning of the story, it's written as if Jesus is just passing through the town. But what, I re what we realize as readers at the end of the story is that Jesus goes to Jericho for Zacchaeus. That's how much he believes in him. And because he believes so much in Zacchaeus, it completely transforms who Zacchaeus is. You know, here's a person, if you think about the rich young ruler in Luke 18, Jesus asks him, give up all of your money. But when he comes to Zacchaeus, he doesn't have to say that because he knows Zacchaeus is already going to do the right thing. And so Zacchaeus knows, I've cheated so many people, I'm going to go find those people and I'm going to give back four times what I've done, uh, four times what I've stole. It's amazing 
what happens when you see life through the lens of possibility and God sees us through that lens. You know, when I was at Andrews University, um, finishing up my, my um, undergraduate studies, I was walking through one of the buildings. And as I was walking through the buildings, uh, it, it, was, it was the music hall. And uh, there's a place called the Howard Performing Arts Center. And they would offer really cheap concert tickets to all the students. And so we were really, um, um, we were really, um, amazing when you have kids your, your vocabulary simplifies and you just lose everything that you want to say um we had it good basically and uh anyway we would go see these world-class performers for like ten dollars a ticket and uh, anyway as i was walking through the howard performing arts center i saw denise santos and i hadn't seen her in probably um over 10 years and she looked exactly the same. And she looked at me. And she's like, you look exactly the same. And I was like, oh, you're good. <laughs> and as we caught up, um, I was just kind of sharing with her, hey, like I'm finishing up my studies. It'd be great to catch up with you sometime. And I just wanted to share with her, hey, because you believed in me in high school, I just want to share where I'm at right now. And I kind of, uh, when we caught up, I told her, hey, like I'm becoming a pastor and going to move back to Australia and like my education has been sponsored and life is going really good. I've met this person named Jinha and, uh, you know, we're getting engaged and or we're engaged. We're getting married. And as I was sharing this story to Denise, she looked at me and she's like, you know, I still tell your story to every single one of my bands that I teach. And I was like, great. I was like, so how do you share this story? And she's like, oh, when kids get out of line, I threaten to kick them out of band. <laughs> she's like, I've done it before. I'll do it again. I thought, ah, my name lives on in infamy. <laughs> you know, right before or right after I graduated, um, I like, it was weird. In high school, I, I didn't try at all. And then in college, I was kind of like, okay, I need to kick it into high gear and I really need to try because this is going to affect the direction of my life. And, um, I try, I studied really hard. And, um, at the, at the end of my studies, I gave, I gave like my report card to Denise Santos and I was like, Hey, I just want you to know like all of your hard work, it like, it went towards something that's, that was very important. And she looked at me and she was like, you know, you're the, you're the most success. You're the greatest success that I've ever had. And I don't think that means that, I'm sure there are more people who've done greater things beyond me that she has taught, but just, I think she meant I, Im I was able to impact someone's life and that was so meaningful. And there was like this really meaningful exchange where I was like, thank you so much because it made a big difference. And, um, I just want to reinforce God believes in you just the way that he went to chase after Zacchaeus in Jericho God sent Jesus to planet Earth for you personally. And when you see what God believes that you can do, um, it's completely transformative. And may you experience the grace, the love, and the presence of God as he looks up to you. May God bless you.